This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome, friends, to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for joining us on this new episode. Uh, it's always a joy to be here with you guys. Thank you for listening or watching to this podcast uh, on the different podcast platform or watching on YouTube. Just some quick uh, reminders, friends, that if you want to stay in touch with us, please uh, go ahead after this episode and follow us on social media. The easiest way to do that is by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. Uh, you can go and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and that way you can stay up to date with the next Uh, guests that we're going to have on the podcast or anything fun, you know, that it's coming up. Uh, we try to be uh, sharing, uh, encouraging uh, quotes and things that we that we find resources for you guys. So that will be um, a great opportunity for you guys to just stay up to date with what's happening on this podcast. And as we do every Tuesday, we do have a new guest. Uh, this brother, I met him actually in person <laughs> at G3. And I have the privilege to have him join me. He also has a podcast and he is part of the Bard Network. Uh, his name is Jacob and he also has a podcast, as I just said, and his podcast is Broken Bones Podcast. And you can find it on the Bard Network, but I will make, make sure to also link it here on this episode. You will be able to find it here on the, the, on the show notes. Thank you again, friends, for joining us. And here is my conversation with Jacob. All right, friends. So I am here with Jacob. Uh, like I like I said in the beginning, uh, he's a dear brother from the Bard Network, and we got to meet for the first time at G3, at the G3 conference. So welcome, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. I've been thinking. Um, I was going to tell you before we jumped on. I'm I'm having periods of like since we got back from G3. Like I'll have a day where I'm like. I miss everybody so much. I wish I was back there with everybody and, you know, and miss seeing everybody. So yeah, it's, it's good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was, it was so amazing to get to meet so many of you because not everyone got to go to G3. Some people had to cancel like last minute. Um, and it, it was just amazing to see, you know, to have that fellowship with so many brothers and sisters in Christ and, that we've been seeing one another probably on social media, but actually get to meet in person. It was, it was yeah. just awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fun. And uh, like you said, it was, I, I think for me, one of the only times I can remember, like everybody I met, I almost felt like I had known them for a lifetime. <laughs> and I think it's just the, the unity of the body, you know what I mean? And so Uh, and, and you, you get that with believers where you, you can meet somebody who you've never met before, but when you're brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, it's like you, there's nothing that, that holds you back from, from that relationship. And it's just wide open. I, I loved it. It was really fun. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. And I mean, uh, we, I think we, we, we were, uh, setting up the booth together, right. Uh, with Chris yes. and yeah, we did yeah, Wednesday it. So, night. Yeah. That was Wednesday night. Um, Uh, that was like before the the conference um and it was awesome to like you know just from that night like being able to catch up with uh with you guys get to know you and then later on andrea and i uh we got to go for dinner with you and, and joe 
I won't call him Joe Z because I already call someone one of my friends like Joe Z. <laughs> it's crazy because they both have like, you know, it's they're the same initials. So it's really it's it was really fun. It was just great. Amazing. It was awesome just to to yeah. spend that time with you guys. Um, and I'm so excited because I remember I was like, OK, so you started sharing a little bit of your testimony with me there. And I'm like. All right, so I guess we're, you know, you got to come to my, in my podcast. <laughs> I need you to come and share. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. It sounds, it, um, yeah, I, I've watched some of your podcasts and um, yeah, and I don't, I love sharing when I, whenever I get the chance and it's not um, the, the, not often you really get a setting to sit down and, and have a lot of time to share with somebody. So I, I, I think as uh as as Christians, when we have that chance, it's important important to take it. So I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to the conversation. Yeah, and I think what I love also is just uh, getting to know you know people's uh, people's upbringing, their life as a child, and like family, and and kind of like the environment that were, that they were raised. Mm -hmm. Because it's just amazing yeah. then you know to see how the Lord used things from their you know childhood and and, and their life to them when he when he saved them so i think it's just pretty neat and like i do actually i normally have my guests just to share you know a little bit about their upbringing their family let us know like uh where you were raised you know where you raised in west state or america or other <laughs> place so yeah right. so if you <laughs> i don't know from wherever you <laughs> wherever you were born yeah so just if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that you know your life where you're raised in a believing home and you can share as much as much as you like okay um yeah you well folks listening to me can probably tell i'm not from uh up north i i am from the south uh i uh, born in Raleigh, North Carolina, still live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, in fact, the only time I have really been uh, away from uh, from my hometown is the four years I spent in the U.S. Navy and um, spent some time. I, I, as we go along through this, I'll explain how I ended up in the Navy, but uh, spent the majority of my time in San Diego when I was in the Navy, uh, spent some time in Florida uh, and a, a couple other places, but really have been in Raleigh my whole life. Um, my wife and I actually, the house we live in now, her parents live around the corner from us um, in the house she grew up in. I am about a mile and a half away from the home uh, I grew up in. And my sister and her husband and their four boys live in that house now. And my mom and my stepdad actually live about three miles down the road as well. So we are all uh, all still kind of in the area. My wife and I went to middle school and high school together. Um, as we'll hear, we ran in se very separate, different crowds growing up. But uh, Lord brought us together uh, in adulthood. But yeah, I've been in, been in Raleigh my whole life. Um, I, as far as my upbringing, you know, fairly, um, fairly normal middle-class neighborhood, uh, middle-class upbringing for this area, um, have one sister, younger sister than me, four years younger, uh, mom and dad were, were married, uh, my entire youth, uh, they ultimately divorced, um, after I had left home after about 25 years of marriage, but growing up, we were, um, we were in church. I don't remember 
I'm, I can't remember not being in, in a church growing up. Um, we were in a Baptist church and, uh, my, my youngest memories are like Sunday school, that kind of thing. Um, you know, third, second, third, fourth grade, maybe as, as far back as I can remember. But if we were, if we were in town, um, we were at church when the doors were open, my, my sister and myself, as far as, um, Sundays for, you know, Sunday school worship service, um, Sunday night activities, things that went on, uh, Wednesday night activities, we were, we were always there. Um, and that, that really continued for me, um, throughout, uh, throughout my, you know, elementary, middle and high school years. Um, that was just kind of the standard practice for us was if church was open, we were there. Uh, my, my, I remember my dad at one point, um, he kind of taught the high school group. We used to all meet together at the beginning of the Sunday school hour, and then would kind of split off into a grade level and boys and girls split off into separate uh, classrooms, but he would kind of do the opening, uh, opening thing there for, for the high school group uh, when I was in high school. So that's, that's really kind of the, the background there on my upbringing. I, Pretty typical, I think, just kind of average American childhood growing up. I uh, was very fortunate not to have, uh, not to ever really have any wants that 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 I can remember. We were we were pretty pretty comfortable as as far as uh, as far as things go here here in the states. Yeah, and how will you describe uh, your parents' involvement as far as like um, teaching you the Bible or? What was the dynamic at home? Like, will you hear the gospel at home? Like, what, what, is that something that was taught at home? Or is it more mostly like, I just had the exposure, uh, you know, a church when we went to it? And, and what kind of church were you raised in? You know, like, what was it like for you? Um, well, for the as, as far as at home, and I have really tried to um, think about this over the last number of years, like what especially since I, with my own kids, trying to work out the dynamic of what, what home worship looks like and, um, and where I fall short in that. Um, so I have tried to look back, um, and especially right now, because I'm reading uh, uh, Scott Aniel's book, um, Let the Little Children Come, about home worship. And so I'm, I'm going through that thinking, you know, did we do this at home? Did, did we have dedicated uh, Bible study time? Did we, when I was growing up, did we, did we sing hymns at home and that kind of thing? And um, I don't know if I have just, I, I think there are probably aspects of, of my youth that I just can't remember. So um, I, I try to think about, well, did we do a lot of that stuff? And I, I'm not so sure. I think we were more, um, I mean, I know we, we, I know there was prayer time and that kind of stuff. I just don't know if there was a lot of, uh, really specific dedicated, uh, Bible time, Bible study time. There may have been when I was younger that I don't remember. Um, both my parents worked. Uh, my mom is a nurse and, and eventually became a nurse, went back to school, became a nurse practitioner. So she was, you know, she worked 12 hour shifts when I was re really young. Um, she worked, she was busy. 
my dad at the same time also was working. He was, uh, he worked long days. So I feel like a lot of, a lot of what we relied on probably, and this is not a knock on my parents at all, but I I feel like a a lot of what we probably relied on was just the fact that we're going to be at church on Sundays and Wednesdays when the, when church is open. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that is, especially here in America, that's probably not unusual for, for the average church family. Um, I think, especially (laughs) having been reading through Scott's book, like that's a lot of here, here in America, that's a lot of what we rely on is, well, yeah, I go to church Sundays and Wednesdays. So, you know, we're getting done there. Um, and again, not a knock on, not a knock on my family or anybody else, but you know, now that I'm very conscious of, um, very conscious of this aspect of worship with my own kids and how we're going to guide and direct them in that, um, yeah, I, I can't remember a lot of really specific, dedicated, um, patterned times that we stuck to for like home worship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, church was good. I was, when I was, uh, when I was there, we had a very large contingent of children. Um, I'm a product, I, I don't even know what generation I am anymore, considered I'm 43 years old. So I think I'm a Gen Xer um, or an Xennial or whatever. I don't know what they're called these days, but um, I'm born in 1978. So I grew up in, in the 80s and the 90s and um, kind of that uh, baby boomer product of the baby boomers kind of thing. So there were a lot of kids and we had a lot of kids at church. So the, the youth ministry there was, um, was big. So growing up, you know, I, a lot of my friends, um, a lot of my core group of friends were all church, church members, church kids. Uh, well, a lot of us all went to school together. Mm-hmm. So whenever there were uh, youth activities, trips, um, got into middle school and high school with kind of the mission trips, you know, our, our youth choirs would go on mission trips every summer. So you know, ski, whatever it was, we were doing it. So I was, you know, if there was a youth activity going on, I was there. Um, And I've talked about this. uh, I've talked about this before in my own podcast when I was kind of giving my background, but, and this is not to, not to puff me up or anything, but I was kind of the ideal youth group kid um, because I was always at church. And so if there was something going on, I would be there. Um, if there was, um, they needed, needed a kid to do something, whether it be, you know, help lead and get kids involved in the sports that were going on or, or lead in youth activities. I was, I was there. Um, that was me. So, you know, kind of, a um, ideal church kid, I guess, I guess I would call it. And, um, and we did, you know, the, the teaching was good. Um, I will say knowing where I am now in my faith, I, I probably would have appreciated more in-depth, uh, in-depth teaching and in-depth study. Um, but again, I think knowing what I know now and kind of looking at the, 
the church over the last 30 or 40 years, I think, you know, it was, you get kids into church with the activities and then you hope to, to teach and grow them. Um, and I don't necessarily ascribe to that now, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how things were. And, um, for all I knew at 13 years old, making a profession of faith and getting baptized, I, I was, I, as far as I was concerned, I was a Christian. So I was at church yeah. <laughs> and I had been baptized. So I was good. I was good. <laughs> you did. You, you checked the box. Right, the box yeah. Checked right? all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but do you, do you have like an understanding of what the gospel was? Like, did you understand what it meant that you were a sinner, you know, that you are a sinner that you needed a savior? Like, do you have a, a full understanding of what that meant for you? I think looking back on it today, I had an intellectual understanding of it. I could tell somebody what the gospel was and I could intellectually understand it. But I think knowing and where we'll get here in the conversation, I, I think knowing now what I know, it was only an intellectual understanding. Mm -hmm. There hadn't been a true, uh, a true conversion, a true regeneration of my heart. And so, uh, yeah, looking, looking back on it, um, looking back on it, I could tell you the gospel. Um, and I, you know, you know, we read in scripture, you know, even Satan and, and the demons, they, they know the gospel, but that doesn't mean they're regenerate. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a, it was a very, uh, very intellectual understanding, I think of, of what the gospel was. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens then in, in high school and then after high school, how do you come to decide to go to the Navy? Like what's happening in your life between that period? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I was middle school, high school, I, definitely when I got into high school and started to get some more, more freedom, um, and things like that, I, I probably, um, I was a kind of student who I could go to class, not put in a lot of work, but I can retain enough to be able to get by with like a kind of, you know, B's, B pluses, A's occasionally and not have to put in a whole lot of work. Um, and so, you know, in high school, I spent more of my time, um, I played football and I was kind of in the in crowd and hung with the popular kids as my wife will tell you, because she, she did not, she was, she was very studious and she's extremely smart. And so, but she worked really, really hard on top of just being smart. She put in the work. So uh, for her, I was in that group that was kind of, you know, well, those are the cool kids, the athletes, and they just goof around all day. Um, <laughs> But even despite being, you know, in that group and goofing around most of the time and not putting in a lot of work, I was able to get, uh, uh, I was accepted into NC State University here in Raleigh. And um, so uh, early in my senior year, so like in October of my senior year, I had already been accepted under the early admissions program. Uh, so I already knew that's where I was going. And uh, I would say in high school, I spent the majority of my time um, being with my friends, uh, kind of in the high school kid party scene, drinking, um, uh, experimenting with 
with drugs, just, just partying. I mean, it was, it was, um, there was no fruit. We were talking about, you know, the intellectual aspect of, of knowing the gospel. And I hadn't, you know, at 13 had made a profession of faith, had been baptized, but then spent my high school years not showing any fruit from that. And, and, uh, and really live, I mean, living, living like a devil, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I got, when I got into, and along, I'll say, and along that way, hurting a lot of people just from my actions, you know, my family, friends, um, just that kind of behavior can't help but hurt those around you because it's all selfish behavior. And so it, uh, there's nothing edifying about it to anyone around you. And all it can do is hurt other people, including yourself. And that's kind of how those years I remember, uh, were spent and ended up at NC state. Um, and, uh, really, uh, lived on campus. So I was not at home anymore, even though I was still in my hometown. And I mean, I, uh, with that kind of freedom and lack of discipline that I had over my own life at the time, just really let go. Um, went to the classes I liked, which at the time I was a political science major. So like the history classes, the poli sci classes, I would go to those. Um, the classes I didn't like, I didn't go to, which I found out they, they, that's not how that works. <laughs> so you're supposed to go to the classes. So, um, yeah, I spent, I spent at least that first semester going to the classes I like, not really going to the classes I didn't like, um, and taking every opportunity I had to, to basically party, uh, is what I did. And I mean, I was, I was fairly popular kid. So I knew growing up, several of my friends had been a year ahead of me in school. Several of them were in still in town. They were at NC state. So I knew where to go. I knew where the parties were with my older friends, you know, that kind of thing. So it was not a problem for me to find something to do any night of the week, including the weekends. So, um, you know, if I woke up, on Tuesday morning and was too hungover to go to the calculus class. I just didn't go to the calculus class. Um, and after my first semester, I believe, I don't remember specifically what my GPA was, but I know it was, and make sure we understand it was a zero point something, something, something. So I don't know how hard you have to work to not even get a full point for a GPA, well, I do know how hard you have to work to not get a full point for your GPA. You don't do anything really. Um, so yeah, I was like under a point GPA and got a letter obviously from the school that I was on academic probation and had to get my GPA up to a certain level in the second semester, or I was going to be expelled from school. So I will say I actually uh, knuckled down and worked pretty hard the second semester um, while still maintaining my, uh, (laughs) my unregenerate lifestyle, but, um, didn't quite get that GPA high enough. I mean, I was just barely missed it. And so got a letter from, you know, the school, uh, letting me know that I was going to be academically expelled from NC state. And, uh, that obviously did not go over well at home with uh with my folks 
So uh, after sitting down and, and talking with them, uh, my mom uh, went with me and we got an appointment with a uh, with an academic counselor at, the, at NC State. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically they sat down and said, here's what we'll do for you. If you take summer school classes and get your GPA up to a certain level, you can come back in the fall and basically start as a freshman again. So that, that was kind of the option I had. And, you know, my mom, she's, well, that's what we're going to do. So I, you know, I said, okay, well, that's, that's what I'll do. (laughs) That's what I'll do. Um, But somewhere once classes started in the beginning of June, I think I I signed up for one class and uh, because that's really all I needed to take and uh, signed up for a class. And I think I went for maybe a week or two and just said, this is not, I I don't need to be here right now. This is not where I need to be. I don't know where I need to be, but I'm not ready. Uh, I'm not ready to be here. And, you know, at, at 18, 19 years old, I'm not ready to be here. And uh, so I I dropped out of summer school and um, my, my dad had served in the Marine Corps and I had always uh, as a kid been um, really uh, had, had a, had a desire, maybe a desire or at least an inkling about serving in the military in some way. Um, I had actually uh, had applications into the Naval Academy after high school. I had actually gone through the process of getting nominated by my local congressman to the Naval Academy, didn't get in academically, so I didn't end up there, but um, uh, just kind of had this desire to serve. So I thought to myself, I had spoke with a couple recruiters and um, ended up uh, ended up deciding to join the U.S. Navy. And so that was like mid-June of 98 and on July 28th of 1998 so less than a month later about a month later I was uh in boot camp uh for the U.S. Navy so that's how I ended up in the Navy (laughs) wow so basically because school wasn't going (laughs) pretty good getting spelled and everything and school wasn't just for you yeah and then yeah I was I was not at a I mean, I, I look back, I probably didn't have the maturity level to be in high school when I was in high school, um, but uh, which is probably a common failing of, of young men. But um, but yeah, I I just I was not I was not ready to be in school and yeah. I needed to be doing something else. And uh, and it it just happened to be I didn't know what to do, but I knew that um I knew that the Navy would tell me what to do. And that's probably what I needed is somebody to just in that moment, like, here's what you're going to do today. Here's what you're going to do tomorrow, that kind of thing. And that's yeah. what, that's what the Navy was, was going to provide for me. And how is life then in the Navy for you? Like what, you know, what is it like? How does it go? Why do you, do you leave or, you know, cause you said that you only did it for four years. Right. Yeah. So I signed up uh, for at the time. I think, you know, you're at the enlistment was four years. I, I don't know if it's changed now. I know some other branches like you could do a two year enlistment, that kind of thing. But the Navy was a four year enlistment. Uh, so I initially signed on to do the, the, the four years. Um, it was 
it was good and bad. I will say, uh, I will say it's, it's the best decision I've ever made. It's also at times it was the worst decision, decision I ever made just, and I think probably anybody who's been in the military can, uh, can understand what I'm saying or can probably say the same thing just because, uh, some of the things you do are, are the greatest things you've ever done. The relationships you make in the military are, are some of the greatest you ever make. Um, but at the same time, uh, some of it can be some of the worst times that you have not because you're not really, you don't own yourself to, you know, the, the, the government owns you. So you're told, you know, you're where you're told where you're going to be. You're told what you have to do, what time you have to be there uh, what holidays you're going to miss with friends and family, what holidays you get to go on and, and, and stuff like that. So some of that element of autonomy is gone while you're in, but at the same time, I think that's definitely outweighed by the, the positive of um, I'm very um, I'm a very patriotic person. So the, uh, the service aspect, the giving back to, to my country um being able to serve other people um, and just, just the camaraderie that's built in the military. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I actually, um, I know not everybody's built to be in the military, but I think the experience you gain uh, through that is it's, you can't measure that. Um, you can't measure that. And so I'm, I'm very thankful that, that I had that experience but yeah, it, it, it had its ups and downs. Yeah. And so what happened after the, the Navy then? Like what happens with your life? What, what comes next in your life? Um, so I'll say just since we're doing kind of a testimony, uh, uh, testimony here, I'll say, you know, after high school, when I went to NC State and was living the way I was living, after I left high school where I was at church every Sunday and Wednesday, I was still in the same town at NC State, and I don't remember going to church. Like, I may have gone when I came home, like, at Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a few handful of other times. But once I got out of high school and, and that aspect was, was gone in my life, and it was up to me to make the decision that I have to go to church on Sunday, didn't go. In the Navy never joined a church, never got into a church anywhere that I was stationed um, and spent four years like that, really. I mean, not not in church at all. And actually during those four years, um, kind of developed, uh, developed a mindset of, you know, there's the, the whole kind of, uh, I won't say, um, universalist might be the wrong word, but a a mindset of, you know, I don't really know what I believe anymore. Like there's a God people can get there, how they get there, you know, whatever that kind of mindset is kind of, I remember that kind of developing over those four years. So my faith, faith journey kind of ended in high school, the way I look at it. And there's this really kind of period in the desert, you know, uh, for a number of years after that. But after in the Navy, as I was getting towards getting out, um, I had always also always or I had always had this kind of um, inkling to maybe look at uh, at law, practicing law or being an attorney. Um, I 
have always enjoyed a good uh, argument, good discussion, I'll say. So um, that was something I had always kind of had a, had a inkling towards. And so I had been thinking about it and, um, but I knew getting out of the Navy to get anywhere near a law school, obviously I was going to have to complete my, um, complete my undergraduate degree. So in the last few months of my Naval career, I started applying, um, applying for schools. And there is a, um, there's a school here in North Carolina called North Carolina Wesleyan College. Uh, it's based in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, uh, which is where my mom uh, actually grew up. But they had, um, they had developed a kind of adult education program where they had a satellite campus uh, here in, home, in Raleigh, in my hometown. And they were holding evening classes for working adults at local high schools at the time uh, in, at night. So I applied, uh, applied for uh, admission to North Carolina Wesleyan and was accepted. So um, let my commanders know that I would not be re-enlisting and, uh, and got out because I had gotten into college and got out and moved back home and moved back home, uh, I think the August time frame uh, after I got out and started classes at North Carolina Wesleyan uh, in their adult program, uh, evening program here in Raleigh at the different satellite campuses. So I would go like three nights a week and take like a three hour long class on those nights, that kind of thing. And that's kind of how I started, started working my way back into finishing my, um, finishing my uh, undergraduate degree and really, really got into it. And I, I had developed a maturity and a work ethic over my four years in the Navy. And I was older at the time. So, uh, you know, once I got out of the service and, and got a job again, got employed and would work during the day and then go do my classes at night and started taking on more and more classes so that I was maximizing my time and trying to minimize the, the length of time I would spend in undergrad and, uh, and worked really hard and ended up, I think, graduating. And re remember, I came from basically having no college credit no college credit from my, from my year at NC state, but, uh, I think I finished in about two and a half or three years mm -hmm. and, um, uh, graduated with honors this time. And, uh, and yeah, so it was a completely different college experience, um, doing it that way, but it was nice because I was in classes with, um, a wide demographic of people. It wasn't, you know, your average, you know, 19, 20 something kids, these were all working adults. And the focus was, Hey, I've been at work all day. I'm here to take my class. I'm going to keep my head down, do my work and get done. And that's kind of completely different environment than, um, than your typical college experience. So that that's what happened those probably three years after, after the Navy. Yeah. And then, so at what point in your life, because till this point you're, you've been saying like, well, you know, like I was just leaving life, you know, my, my sinful life. So at what point yeah. in your life it is that the Lord saves you, like truly you understand what the go the gospel means and what the gospel is, you know, does in our life. Like the gospel changes yeah. our life. Christ changes our life. Right. So there has to be a pattern of change yeah. in our life after the gospel. So how do you get to that point? So, um, I had, I continued, 
I, I continued living kind of that pagan party uh, lifestyle, even even through my mid twenties. Um, after I got out of the Navy and, you know, was working and, 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 um, and going to school, but I was still going out on the weekends and, and doing all the kind of stuff I had done before. But, um, I would say the Lord really started working when I met my wife. Um, as I mentioned, we went to middle school and high school together and we were out at a, um, as we like to tell people, we were at a restaurant, but in the evening it can, it had a bar in it. So in the evening, it really was just the bar. And, um, I was out with a buddy of mine. He, we were, we were at the bar and my, my, my buddy actually knocked over her drink <clears throat> and, uh, she kind of turned and saw us standing there. And, and she says, uh, she, she kind of looked at me and she goes, she goes, you're Jacob Arthur. I said, yeah, I am. And she said, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, I do know who you are. I remembered her. And uh, I, I said, you know, you're, Le you're Lisa Liberatore. And um, we started chatting and, uh, and found out through the course of our conversation that we actually worked at two different law firms right across the street from each other. After talking for hours that evening and stuff, um, I had, uh, I said, Hey, I'd like to see you sometime. I'd like to get together for lunch or dinner or something. We work right across the street from each other. And, uh, to hear her tell the story is kind of funny, um, because she assumed that because I was, uh, in the cool kids group in high school, that this was just some kind of cruel joke that I was not really going to call her. And, uh, you know, it was not really gonna, nothing was going to happen. And this was just some kind of joke. The cool kids were playing on her. But I did, I, I called her uh, the next, uh, that was probably on a weekend. So I called her the next week, um, one day at work and said, hey, you know, let's get together for lunch. And we did. And I think she could probably, um, she would probably say that this is, uh, she just got back a little while ago. So she's not, she's in the other room, but she would probably tell me that, um, that at that point, she still thought maybe this was like some kind of joke that, okay, well, he's going to take me out a couple of times and then just dump me and that'll be it. But uh, we went out a couple of times and, um, and I had actually, when I, when I ran into her, I had actually been dating a girl for probably two months or so at the time. And I think by like the third or fourth time Lisa and I went out, um, I, I knew like, okay, there's something happening here that I have not experienced with anybody else I've dated before. And, um, and like, I knew, I probably knew within like a month, like, okay, this, I'm, I'm going to marry this girl. And so completely went, went, uh, horrible, horrible thing, but went and broke it off with the other girl and trying to explain that I had, you know, it was, it was, it was the other girl obviously did not take it very well. And I don't, to hold that again, hold that against her at all. Um, but I knew what I knew. And, um, and yeah, we started dating and, uh, that was probably in like maybe March, April, May timeframe. And we were engaged in December and, um, had a, had a little over a year engagement and got married, uh, in, um, in January of 06. I think I did that right. Um, but, uh, yeah, got married. Yeah. And, uh, got married. And, um, at the time that we started dating, 
I was not, I, I still wasn't going to church and my wife grew up Catholic and she was involved in the music ministry at, at her church. And, um, her growing up, they went to church, they were at church every Sunday. So, um, even, even if they were on the road on vacations, they found a local Catholic church, they were at church, that kind of thing. So it was very important to her that she was at church every Sunday. And so I started going to church with her, uh, and, and going to her with her to her Catholic church. And so that's, that's where I started going back to church, um, after those years of, of absence. And, uh, after we were married and we, we, moved into the a townhouse that she she had before we were married and just so happened that our next door neighbor was uh, a couple that I had grown up with at at my church and um uh Kevin had started a Sunday school class for kind of young adults newly married couples at our at the Baptist church I grew up in and um they had invited us to the class to the class but my Sunday mornings were for golf so I I actually didn't start going and I believe and I don't remember how many times I hope it's not a lot but I I think Lisa went at least once or more more than once without me to the Baptist church I grew up in to a Sunday school class for young married couples uh, while I was golfing so, um, eventually I started going as well and, uh, we kind of split the baby for a while, um, going to, going to the Catholic church when she had obligations there and then going to the Sunday school class and service at, uh, at, at the Baptist church. So we did that for and I don't know how long we did that for at least a year or so, maybe more where we kind of had that split, uh, going both places kind of thing. And, um, and I think at the time I would probably have told you that it doesn't like, if I go to this one or go to that one, it, it doesn't matter, whatever. And, um, and eventually, uh, an older, uh, an older couple who had helped start the class, uh, actually a guy who had been the youth minister when I was in the youth group at the church, he had helped start the class and kind of guide, uh, guide the, the teaching as the class got started. And he had agreed to do that for one year and that year ran out and he said, Hey, so we're, my wife and I are going to go back to a class with our age group and we need somebody to help teach the Sunday school class with Kevin. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where nobody raises their hand and people start looking at other, you know, oh, I, you know, looking at other things, acting like they didn't hear. And uh, so I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So I started teaching the class, uh, co-teaching the class, and um, uh, uh, and we eventually kind of just migrated to where we were only at, at the Baptist church. Um, and I was teaching, co-teaching, and um, and that's just where we ended up, uh, ended up staying. Yeah. So, so you're teaching though. You're still not like really saved. That's right. Point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm yeah, trying I think, to yeah. I was trying, I think I kind of explained that to you at G3, but yeah. I spent, yeah. 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 That's what I'm um, trying to, to remember that you were yeah, not saved I, at this point. Yeah. And I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have, 
I wouldn't have said that if you had asked me at the time, but yeah, looking back on it, um, no, I was, I was definitely teaching and, and not having not been saved. So, yeah. So then what happens when you guys then get involved in this church? I mean, and it's crazy because, you know, like you were saying, she, your wife used to go to the Catholic church and clearly there is a difference between yeah. the Catholic church and me and going, you know, to a Baptist church. Yeah. Um, so how, you know, how does that go for you guys? Like about the teaching and um, within your marriage as well. Like at what point do you, realize the Lord convicted you like hey Jacob like you're not really safe like you know like what when does that happen when does this change happen in your life so I yeah I continued teaching for um I think I, I just stopped teaching the class this past February which was about 14 years so um and we continue we were very involved in the Baptist church between between that time and and now you know we had four kids um the kids are all, all involved we were um very in, just involved in we were kind of like I was growing up if church was open we were there and uh and Lisa actually attended uh and she can do her whole testimony but you know she attended the church for probably almost a decade um God kind of worked, worked in, in her life and, um, through attending, attending this church and, and, and being exposed to some different teaching. Um, she eventually after 10 years joined the church through baptism, uh, and was baptized. So, um, and I'm still even, and I'm still not really saved at that point. Um, and you know, my, um, I think my life, I look back on it now during those years, um, a lot of stuff I dealt with as far as sin of anger and um, uh, jealousy and all kind, everything that was any issues that we may have had in our marriage or, or, or issues dealing with the kids or whatever else I can, I can now go back and look and go, okay, these were sins that that I had not, uh, not been forgiven of, hadn't repented of, and they were just kind of, um, manifesting in all areas of my life, whether how I dealt with my wife, how I dealt with my kids, whatever it was, it was because I was not saved and, um, jumping ahead a number of, a number of years, um, to 2018, uh, Lisa has a very large family. Her mom has three brothers and, you know, they've all got kids. So every year at Thanksgiving, we would travel down, uh, down to, uh, South Carolina where two of the uncles live. So the family all kind of gets together there. And, um, it's usually, it's about 30 plus people, um, over, a, you know, that are together over a four day period at Thanksgiving. And, um, it was on Thanksgiving day. Uh, it was November 22nd of 2018. And we, we were, you know, outside in the afternoon waiting for kind of dinner to get started at four o'clock. And they had a, one of the little smaller bouncy houses, um, for kids. Cause we got, everybody's got kids. So there were a lot of kids. And I remember, uh, I had, I had had to, my son is the oldest of the kid of the, all the cousins. And so I had warned him a couple times for, um, for some, he was getting a little rough and rambunctious in the bouncy house and there's smaller kids and stuff like that. And so 
I had warned him a few times and finally pulled him out of the bouncy house at one point and set him down and had told him he was done. He was not getting back in. It was over. I was tired of talking to him about it. And, um, and, and I look back particularly with my son raising him as he was younger, I was very prone to, um, I would lose my temper really quick. I just remember that I would, I would, as a parent, it was not, it was really easy for me to lose my temper and get, get really upset and not get physically, uh, not get physical with him, but just blow up for just, you know, little things. And so I set him out. My wife eventually comes out and she talks to him and then she talks to me. And I said, well, I told him he's done for the day, but she convinced me that like, Hey, let him play some more. So I, okay, let him play some more. And he got back at some point, got back in the bouncy house. And I just remember I looked up and saw my, my, one of my daughters was about to go down the little slide that was attached to the thing. And he's behind her and he pushed her. And when he pushed her, her, her head snapped back and I lost it and jumped up. I went and I grabbed him by the collar of his shirt and where we were staying at the house, um, they have a, a, what we call the barn behind the house. And it's really, it's a two-story structure. It's got a wood shop underneath it. And then the top level is a furnished apartment. And that's where we stayed. When we go down, my family, we stay in the little apartment loft because there's six of us. And so we all, they put us in kind of away from everybody. But um, so I grabbed him and my intention was to take him like to the loft, to the, to the barn, to the loft apartment. And I guess he was being trouble and being time out or whatever. So I, I grabbed him by the shirt and physically started dragging him, but I didn't just go around the driveway up to the, to the house. I went through the front door of the house, through the house, dragging him through the kitchen in front of the entire family, uh, because everybody was in there working on the Thanksgiving dinner, and I've got him dragging him by the shirt through the, through the house in front of everybody, and my wife uh, Lisa saw me and, um, she was pregnant with our fourth and she describes it as saying that she did not recognize my face. Like I, whatever she saw in my face made her fearful for our son. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I drug him out. She chases me as we go outside and confronts me in the driveway and is trying to get me to stop and calm down and whatever whatever I was doing was was scaring her whatever however my demeanor was frightened her as well and we eventually ended up in the uh in the uh, apartment in the barn and um and I think when she felt like I was not a threat anymore she left me with Andrew, my son. And, um, when she did, all I remember is looking at him and I just broke and, uh, and completely just crumpled onto the floor. 
and started apologizing to him just profusely. And I'm, I'm just bawling at the time and uh, apologizing. And he, poor kid, he had no, he had no clue what was going on. Uh, he, he just like, dad's just on the floor, like crying. I don't know. Like to him, he's probably like, I just want to go play, but um, <laughs> you know, and, and so I let him leave and I spent the next three, three and a half hours um, just weeping uncontrollably. And the way I describe it is God through the Holy Spirit held a mirror up in front of me and let me see who I really was. And it was awful. (laughs) And um, I knew what was happening because a year and a half earlier, I had somehow come across, and I can't even remember how it happened, had come across John MacArthur and started listening to him. And I had never heard of him. I mean, now I wonder who has not heard of him. I had never heard of him. Mm-hmm. And so started listening to him. That led me to others. Um, Steve Lawson, Dr. Steve Lawson. I started listening to his uh, weekly men's um, Bible study that he had every Thursday morning, he was going through Romans. And so I'm going through Romans, you know, taking notes. And again, the intellectual, I was getting it all, you know, and I had it all in here. And, um, so through a lot of that and listening to these sermons and preaching and reading, um, you know, I had one thing that had really developed in me, after my, and I didn't get into this, but after, after undergrad, I, I ended up going to law school and finishing law school. So in that time had really learned to study and really study and understand argumentation and that kind of thing. So, uh, using that in Bible study has been incredible, but that was all working. So in that moment where I'm sitting there having this mirror held up to me, I know what's happening. Like I I intellectually can tell, okay, this is when it's going to happen. This is the moment. And, and God is using this moment to show me that I am a, um, that, that I am a wretched sinner. And, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, God's showing, telling me, yeah, you, you're a, you're a Sunday school teacher, but you're not saved Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you're working with the kids at church, but you're not saved and you're a husband and you're a dad. And by the world's standards, you're a pretty good dad. You're a pretty good husband. You're a pretty good Sunday school teacher. You look like, you look like a pretty good Christian, but you are a, but you were in complete opposition to me is what he was saying. And so in that moment, I recognized all that. I could feel it. And and so for three or four hours, I just wept over it. And, um, and in those moments, ask for forgiveness, ask for a new heart. And um, my wife's entire family's Catholic. She's got one uncle 
who married a Baptist girl and he's Baptist. And so he came up to the house to check on me because he had seen what happened in the house and I hadn't come back and they were getting ready to sit down for dinner. And um, so he came to check on me and I started talking to him about what was happening. And he knew, like he knew exactly what was going on. And so he prayed with me and, um, and left me alone. And um, there, it kind of reminds me, there's a, there's a story Paul Washer tells about having an experience at a church where a woman was after one of his sermons, she came up front and was just, she's on the floor weeping. And some of the people that were there, I think from the church that were there to help counsel people who, um, who would have come forward or whatever, kept trying to go to the woman to, to help her. And, and, and Paul kept, kept holding her back, said, don't you go touch her. Don't you go mess with her right now. The Holy Spirit's working on her. You leave it alone. And, um, and that's what, that's what Mark did. He just, he prayed with me and he left me alone. And, um, so I missed dinner. I never came down for, for Thanksgiving dinner or anything like that. And, uh, and yeah, after that, I, I finally went down and ate and I tried to, Lisa came up and I tried to explain, ex- explain really what was going on, uh, and what happened. And, um, yeah, we got back from Thanksgiving and, um, and went and met with my pastor and told him exactly what happened and said, I need to get baptized. Um, I need to be baptized. And when I, when I, when I make this public, we're not calling it, or it's not a rededication. It's not, um, you know, it's not rededicating my life or anything like that. I said, this is, this is, this is the moment I was saved. So this is my baptism and this is my public profession of faith. And, um, and yeah, that's what I did. So I was baptized, uh, the following March, I think. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and haven't, haven't looked back and it's been a, this period in my life. So that was at 40 years old, um, at 40 years old, had my, that's when God decided to, to do his work. So. Okay. And it's amazing, right? Because all this, um, throughout your life, you were raised in the church. Like you said, oh, I went to church every Sunday. There was a church open. We will go there. And again, you had the head knowledge, but it's not head knowledge that saves, right? It took one outburst of anger in your life with your son there for the Lord to truly show you. Like you said, it was like having a mirror and like hearing like the Lord letting me know exactly who I was at that moment. Like, yes, you might look like the Christian type for the world, but yet your life, your heart hasn't been changed. Like you're still, um, separated from me there is not that relationship between you and i like it's like you might know of god but does god know you you know yeah and i'll i'll say it has given me given me a um i have a huge i guess i'll call it a burden but a, a a burden for the church in the fact that i come back to uh the the parable of the ten virgins at the wedding banquet and um, you know, in that parable, uh, Jesus tells of these, the, the 10, uh, the, the, the 10 virgins that, that are the, the bridemaid bridesmaids and that they all outwardly appear ready for, for the, for the celebration. They've all got their lanterns. They've got their, their oil. 
and everything, but five of them aren't prepared because the, the bridegroom is late. And so five out of 10 are unprepared. And I, I do not believe that is a coincidence that Christ said 50%. He doesn't, he doesn't just randomly say things. And, you know, I go from there to, from thinking that to when he shows up at the bridegroom shows up that those five who had to leave to go find oil come back and they're not let in, but they had no idea that they weren't going to be let in. And so when I think about uh, my own experience, I have a, a, a real burden because I see that parable and I look at the church and I tell folks, you know, when you're in worship on Sunday morning, or you're in your Sunday school class, take that parable and look around and think about half the people in that room may not be let in and they don't even know it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's where that's, I I have a, I have a, a burden and a heart to share that with people when I get the chance, because I think there are so many folks like me who, you kind of said earlier, check the boxes um, and they're at church and um, they're there on Sundays. They're there Wednesdays. They're going to worship. They're going to Sunday school, but they're not really saved. And, um, and that to me is, I, I, if, if my conversion had not have happened, I still would be in that position and, and not even know it. And, um, and man, I can't imagine anything worse than that from where I am now. I can't imagine living like that and not even knowing it. And one day waking up, um, cause we're all going to die. And one day you're going to wake up and, um, and finding out that you thought you were saved and you're not is probably well, Christ, I mean, Christ goes on to say that, you know, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and do great works in your name? And, and that, that next statement is the scariest thing in the Bible to me is I never knew you. So I, I, I'm truly fearful for those people, particularly it's one thing to not be in a church um, and to just be pagan and and then die and wake up and and hear that i think that makes that those folks will probably more easily accept their fate because yeah but but people who are in the church who don't know that they're not truly saved i can't imagine the uh the anguish the eternal anguish from that so i i have a i i have a unique burden for those folks so i when I get the chance, I try to share, um, like you really need to be sure of your salvation. It's that important. It's really important. So, yeah. And amazing because when you were describing, uh, I, I, I thought about the verse that you just mentioned. Uh, I was thinking about that verse, like, you know, when they come to the Lord, 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 then, you know, didn't we do this? Is it this? It's not even, uh, recognizing, you know, they don't even recognize their, their standing, but they're questioning the Lord. Like, 
oh or telling the lord this is what we did like would they go through the list of things that they did instead of like truly saying admitting or recognizing oh that's true that's me um and it's like you said it's the scariest thing to hear i never knew you um and that's why we are here in this podcast because like you said, it's not—it's nothing of us. Like it, we acknowledge and we have recognized that it's all because of Christ, because without Christ, all of us will be waking up someday in that position of in yeah. hell, in hell, separated yeah. from the Lord for all eternity. And I and and that's what we we don't want. We don't we want people to get to know about Christ and what Christ came to do and where they're standing with Christ, and, and that yeah. is our hope and that people will see that. Um, but then Jacob, so then after, you know, your conversion at this point, how did you see your life changing? What are some of the changes that you begin to notice in your life? Um, I will say, well, I will say probably, um, the, the selfishness that underlied a lot of sin as far as, um, in my relationship with my wife, um, with, with kids and things like that. Not that it completely went away, but I will say that the the change in my attitude towards my family um, was almost instantaneous. Um, I, while I have continued to be sanctified in this, I think my my heart to to be a servant to my family um, rather than wondering how my family's serving me is completely different than it used to be. Um, I, my, the, the temper that I had, um, particularly towards my kids, um, that could go off at, at a moment's notice, um, is not gone completely. I mean, they're, they're kids and I'm a parent. And so things happen where I lose my temper, but I will say it had, it's, it has very, um, steadily, uh, declined, to the way I react to certain situations. Whereas I can look back now, like if this happened before I would have blown my top. Um, yeah. And now I'm much more prone to not have that happen and try to have a more measured approach um, with my kids. Um, but yeah, a lot of those things that the, those things that underlie and drive sin um, are not there mm -hmm. on a, on a, kind of continuous basis like they were before. Um, my heart for studying God's word is um, like, that's my favorite thing to do. So like I get more joy out of that than a lot of, a lot of things. I, after that experience, I um, teaching Sunday school, we had always used kind of the, the, the teaching guides that the little quarterly books and things that some of the groups put out. And that's what we always used. And it's very topical, uh, topical in nature. And, um, I went to the guys that I was co-teaching with and told them, um, I said, guys, I can't teach like this anymore. I said, what I would like to do is to pick a pick a Bible, a book of the Bible. I said, and I want to just start going through it like verse by verse, like that's how we're going to do Sunday school and um, really kind of an expositional teaching uh, because that's what, that's what had made such a difference in my life. And so uh, they agreed and it was a ton of work because um, 
there's not a whole lot of materials out there for teaching verse by verse through books of the Bible for Sunday school classes. But so what we did is kind of just did it on our own. And we were putting in, you know, you put in a lot of hours in the week preparing for Sunday school lessons that way. But it does so much for you personally. Um, and I'll say we started with Romans and spent like eight months going through Romans and and kept moving, um, moving through it that way. But, you know, and I had a lot of folks from the Sunday school class reach out to me and say, hey, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Like we have never we've we've never covered that chapter before of Romans or, or whatever. I've never heard this discussed or that kind of thing. And so just a lot of fruit after that after that that day in November 2018 that I see now and I, I see developing that I never had before. And so that's how I, you know, when I, when I, when I test myself, that's how I know it's real now. And um, it's because I see the fruit that was not there in my life before. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, are, what about your, your family's involvement in the church, especially you, like what kind of ministry? So you mentioned Sunday school that your guys are, you're leading that, right? Or you're doing that? I did. Um, I, I continued leading that. I, I, um, I, I left that position in, um, in February of this year, the past, uh, the past 20 months, um, were pretty hard as a Sunday school teacher. Um, the, the church was closed for a period of time. And so everything was, uh, like a lot of churches, things were closed. So we tried to do, you know, Sunday school lessons virtually. Um, and, our age group, uh, not to judge anybody in the class, but our age group has a lot of kids in it. And so um, the way it would typically work is we just didn't have a lot of people logging on for the lessons live. Uh, We recorded them and they could track, they could track them later if they wanted to. Um, But a lot of what ended up happening for the better part of a year was myself and the other Sunday school teachers and maybe one or two other people logging in. So we were kind of just teaching to each other for the, for the year. And, um, it really just kind of, I think after a while I, I, it just wore on me and I, I, I thought I needed a break and, um, and decided to, that I would take a break and step back from that role. Um, it's also in that time frame uh, where I ended up uh, connecting with, with the just thinking podcast team and, and, uh, and the bar network through Dwayne and, um, looking for something else to do, uh, to continue some type of, of teaching or ministry, which is where I ended up, um, found an opportunity with, with just thinking to do, to do help their ministry through my legal work, and, uh, and for my own desire to keep teaching kind of led me into doing my own podcast as well. So yeah. at this point, um, you know, at this point, we're still involved in church. I'm just not teaching at church anymore uh, for now and um, kind of focusing my ministry opportunities in other directions through podcasting and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and talking about the podcast, it's Broken Bones. I can see your... Yeah. You're hot over there. <laughs> yeah, I got my, <laughs> got my hat there. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you begin, you know, how you started this podcast. Uh, where do you get the idea? What is it? What is it about? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I had been thinking about 
um, I had started, I really got into podcasting, listening to Just Thinking. And so started listening to them and some others and, and deciding, you know, well, if I'm not going to teach, maybe I could do like a, a kind of teaching based podcast. Um, so I started working through that and, um, and having, having gotten the experience of being able to work with Daryl and, and Virgil with just thinking and Dwayne, I thought, okay, well, I'll start one and just try and see, see how it goes. Um, and so I, got started with it and I decided on the name broken bones. Um, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, teachers is Dr. Vodu Balkum and, uh, love his sermons. And he's got a sermon that he did a number of years ago called brokenness. Um, and in that sermon, he goes through Psalm 51 and, uh, the Psalm where David is, is crying out to God for forgiveness and in repentance for his sins with Bathsheba. And in, um, in that sermon that Vody's giving, he, he really highlights Psalm 51, eight, where David cries out to God and says, ask God to heal the bones that he has broken. So the bones that God has broken, David wants, he wants them healed. He wants God to heal the bones that God broke. And I, that just resonated with me. And so from my experience of being broken I said, okay, there we go. That's a name, Broken Bones. And so if you listen to my, uh, if you check out my podcast, my intro, I have that clip from Vody's sermon um, where he talks about, um, he talks about he doesn't want to forget his sinful past because it lets him know who he was and that he's not that person anymore. And so there's a clip in there from that. And actually, uh, while we were down in Atlanta at G3, I got a chance to meet to meet Dr. Balkum. And I, I, you know, I went up, thanked him and thanked him for that sermon and what it's meant to me and said, hey, just to let you know, I'm using a very small clip from that sermon in the opening to my podcast. So, um, yeah, so my 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 motto of my my podcast is really um, um rejoicing in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and pro proclaiming the gospel. So I really am trying to focus on, um, on talking about brokenness um, and, and pointing people towards God and towards the gospel to encourage, uh, to encourage them to want to be broken um, if, they, if they are not believers yet. You know, and, and, if, and if they think they are believers, have you been broken? And it's not, um, everybody's experience is not mine. We don't all have that kind of flash of thunder and lightning experience. But, um, but I think every believer at some point in their experience has experienced, um, has experienced that brokenness that only God can put on us. And so I hope through my podcast, through teaching that, and through a, I'm able to teach a, a better understanding of who God is. And through that, maybe um, in some way, reach people, um, reach people with that message and, and have some impact, some impact on, on folks. And I will say that doing the podcast and eventually being invited to be on the Bar Network has greatly expanded my reach beyond what I could do as a Sunday school teacher. And so, you know, I'm seeing, 
um, I'm seeing my ability to, to teach get out a lot further than if I was still sitting in a Sunday school classroom every Sunday. Yeah. Teaching. Yeah. And uh, so how can people uh, find your podcast? Where can they find it? And I will make sure also to add the links here on the show notes so people can just go directly. But for our listeners, uh, if you wouldn't mind just telling them how to find it. Yeah, it's it's the Broken Bones podcast. You can find it. You look it up on any um, any of the podcasting, streaming, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, whatever you listen to, uh, Stitcher. It's It's on there. Um, I am, uh, on social media. My Twitter is, uh, at broke, um, broken bones podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have my own personal Twitter account that I link to as well. Jacob Arthur NC that I kind of go back and forth with, um, with those two Twitter accounts as well. But yeah, I'm, it's out there if, if you look for it. And also, I mean, you can go on, obviously the easiest way probably is to go on the bar network website and you can check out all the podcasts that are on there, including yours, um, on that link tree. And so it's, yeah, it's on there. Yeah. And I'll show, I'll be sure to add the separate links to the Twitter account, uh, Instagram, and also to the, uh, the podcast as well. So where they can find it. So now let's move on to my signature questions. All right, <laughs> let's podcast. do it. <laughs> yeah, so um, some books that have been helpful for you, uh, you know, other than the Bible, like any book recommendations that you have out there? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I've actually right behind me. I'll tell you th this one right here, mm. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Daryl Harrison from Just Thinking has said it before, but it every Christian probably should have that one on their bookshelf and at least read it once a year. I mean, that one, um, that one is fantastic. And I, I read that a number of years ago and, um, I'm big on, uh, the attributes of God and understanding who God is better. And I'm actually on my podcast. I'm wrapping up a series for this season that I've done where I am walking through A.W. Pink's book, the attributes of God. It's a, um, Actually, I've got it right here. Um, very small little book. Uh, and the chapters are really short, but it's got 17 chapters and each chapter is an attribute of God. And so what I'm doing on my podcast this season is each episode is a chapter. And so we look at an attribute of God. Um, that book has been fantastic. Um, uh, I've read several books by John MacArthur at this point, um, the gospel, according to Jesus, the gospel, according to Paul, all of those have been extremely helpful. Um, and one I really rely on now too, is the, the Valley of vision, the Puritan prayers and devotionals. It it's back there too. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I have all my books are back there that I, I read, but I, I was telling Dwayne a while back, you know, I've got, I've got books everywhere. There's like a book on my nightstand. There's books here. I've got books downstairs on the piano and, I'm in like three or four books at all at the same time, all the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, and and really have enjoyed reading the Puritans as well. Um, yeah, it's one of my so, favorites. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot of those books. Yeah, yeah. The Valley of a Vision is like, it's one of my favorite for sure too. Yeah, I, it's it's great. Yeah, especially for me because I'm I'm somebody who, I my I struggle with prayer life. I mean, just with with time and I've got four kids and we're always on the go and by the end of the day like it's midnight and it's time to lay my head down and I haven't you know and like oh man I don't even know if I've communed with God today uh in a in a real way through prayer and so having that book um and it's got you know if you're 
feeling convicted by sin that day, you just whip open yet I sin and you read through that. And so it's, it's a really, it's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I always say like, it's so poetic in the way I'm like, I can never put my prayers in this way. So it's like, it's just so wonderful. It's amazing. So yeah, yeah. everyone should get that one. The value of vision is one of my favorite too. Uh, so three things that brings you joy. Oh man. Um, well, I did mention studying God's word. So that, uh, and, and getting new insight into that, um, is that's really, that's really joyful to me. My other is, is, uh, my, my family, my kids. Um, and I'll, I'll say probably as, as I have, as I have gone through this, my conversion and, and experienced the growth that has happened, I have enjoyed it that much more, um, than I probably did the first, you know, nine years of, of having kids, um, it brought me a lot more joy. And I think it's because all of that other stuff is out of the way. Now all the me is out of the way. Um, and, um, let's see, I enjoy, I'm, I, I get a lot of joy just being outside. So whether it's sports or being in the woods, I like to hunt, um, just that kind of stuff. And I don't get nearly enough time to do a lot of that stuff anymore, just because we're so busy with, with family obligations and stuff like that. But uh, I have always enjoyed, enjoyed being outdoors. And I'm sure you guys have like really nice views because of the, you know, in South Carolina, everything is so green. Like I was there in North Carolina and everything is just so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's green. Oh, that's right. You came up after Atlanta. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. And, you know, every time that we share a testimony, we're always talking about Jesus Christ. And my last question for you is, why do we need Jesus Christ? Oh, that's that can be a long answer. I'll keep I'll try and keep it short because we've been on here a while. Um, we need Jesus Christ because without him, we are completely opposed to God. And when you are completely opposed to God, you um, you will not experience this life the way it was meant to be and the way you were designed. But more than that, you are not going to experience the life after this one the way God wants you to. And without Christ, you will not be forgiven for those sins. You will not. God will not look on you with Christ's righteousness. And I, as a lawyer, I'm, I'm, um, I, I like the, the analogy of the courtroom aspect of the propitiation of Christ and that, you know, there's, there's a righteous judge and he has to hand out punishment. And without Christ, you're in that courtroom and you're guilty as charged and you will receive that righteous punishment. But in Christ, Christ steps in and says, I got it. I'm taking that. I take that punishment for him. When you look at him, me, you see my righteousness. And, um, and that's a beautiful picture for me um, because I, I am so profoundly aware on a daily basis that I do not uh, in any way, shape, or form deserve his grace. Um, we all receive a measure of God's mercy. I just did a podcast, just did a podcast on the mercy of God. So we all, all his creatures in a way receive God's mercy in some form or fashion, just by their mere existence. But 
only his children receive his grace. And that is why you need Christ because without Christ, um, without Christ, you, you do not receive that grace. And, and again, back to that parable, you know, I, you will wake up one day face to face with the God of the universe. And if Christ isn't standing there in your place, you will spend eternity in hell. And that's, it's just the truth. That's just, it's true. That's just the way it is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. And again, friends, so if you want to find his uh, podcast, you can find it by going on the link here on the show notes, or if you're on YouTube on the description. And again, also the BART network, we're part of the BART network. So I'll be sure also from now on to include the link to the BART network, which I haven't done. Yeah. I just thought about it as you were saying, and I'm like, yeah, I should be linking. Don't Dwayne. tell Dwayne. Don't kill me. I should. Like, you know, there's so many links around. I'm like, okay, now for now on, you will find the link to the BART network on the show notes or the description, or maybe yeah. there it, it is there. I haven't checked. Andrea is the one who handles most of the posting. Yeah. But thank you again. If you wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we just we come to you as, as such unworthy creatures. Um we are we are separated from you by sin from birth, and only through your son Jesus Christ uh are we restored to a right relationship with you. I, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this uh, this ministry of this podcast, um, for the for the opportunity for people uh, that that you have saved to come on and and uh, share their testimonies and share their walks. Uh, and I'm just humbled that um, humbled that I was able to be a part of that. I hope you use this conversation uh, to reach someone out there um, and just continue to bless this ministry and uh, continue to bless us as you see fit. And I ask all these things in the, in the sweet name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.